Hello and welcome to the Together for the City podcast. You're here with your hosts, John James and Neil Powell, church pastors in Birmingham, uh, UK and authors of the book Together for the City, how collaborative church planting leads to citywide movement. So thank you for joining us Especially today. if you're coming back for more. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a, a series of podcasts that we're doing, a short run of conversations that we're doing, talking around some of the issues that are raised when churches seek to partner together across some of the traditional tribal boundaries to see new churches planted mm. in a city. And today we're talking about leaderless organisation. Yes, and many people might think we're talking about my church there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think my whole life is lived as a leaderless organisation. Yes. Or my football times. team, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we're talking about leaderless organisations because there's a sense in which uh, to exist as a movement, a collaborative movement, is actually to exist in a slightly different way to the way organizations are normally run and yeah. led Neil what is the difference would you say between seeking to belong to say your uh, church or your denomination or your network and then belonging to something like a collaborative movement yeah I think this is absolutely crucial um, to understanding how you can meaningfully partner with other churches that are not part of your own network. So we're used perhaps to being part of a denomination or I'm, I'm part of FIC, which is an independent evangelical affiliation. Many of us are in church planting networks um, of one shape or another, but movements are more organism than organization. So okay. if you're going to talk about them in terms of being a network, if you want to use that language at all, we sometimes use the language of a network of friends. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they're highly relational yeah. and very organic gatherings of Christians within a particular area or a city. So there's no compulsion to be part of it. Yes. You, you know, you're not in by virtue of being in a denomination yeah. or compelled to be there because you're part of a network that you've signed up for yeah. uh, in, in some measure. So they're quite fluid, they're very organic, and they're very relational. They are, if you use the language, a network of friends. Yeah, yeah. I, one of the things that we, we sort of mention in the book is the difference between the tower and the square, mm -hmm. basically. And so we talk about, I mean, it's not our idea, it's stolen from a book by Niall Ferguson. But the, the whole idea is that with, a, with an institution, it is a kind of tower system. It's a hierarchy to some degree or another in order for the thing to function well. Um, but a square is kind of the opposite. It's like the marketplace of ideas, really, where yeah. people voluntarily gather together and interact in a way that is kind of mutually beneficial um, and in a way that kind of gets stuff done and makes stuff happen. But it's not organised yes. in the same way. It's not hierarchical in the same way that a tower is. And I guess Niall Ferguson's point in his book is that um, actually for movement dynamics to really exist, for that kind of virality of mm. an idea, you, you'd need to not just have the strong 
kind of relational nodes that might exist in a very organized system, you also need to have the weak relational nodes. You need mm -hmm. the nodes where people kind of bounce ideas off each other, come into contact with people they wouldn't normally come into contact with and that kind of thing. But I suppose what that means is that the marketplace needs to be attractive to some degree. Yes. There's got to be a sort of a, a something compelling about the marketplace uh, in order for people to even want to show up. Everybody's busy. <laughs> and if you've got no obligation to be there, why would you be there? Yeah, that's exactly it, isn't it? So I think one of the striking things in Birmingham, the 2020 uh, gathering, we've been meeting what now for nearly 10 years. And I think of all the churches, we've seen 19 churches planted, revitalized, uh, or new congregations started. I think there's only one church that has been helped to start that's then sort of stepped back from being part of yeah. this thing in Birmingham, this mm. movement of the of the gospel in our city. And pretty much everyone else has stayed on board. And it wasn't actually because we fell out with that church. I think that the guy who was leading that church wanted to, to gather others for a slightly different form mm. of movement based around an ethnic group. Uh, within the city and within the UK and what he's done has been a good thing a fine thing so I guess the question is as you say why do people keep coming what what yeah. is the glue that's holding us together because n it's not that your boss is breathing down your neck no. there is no boss it's a leaderless yeah um, organization or, or living organism in that sense and I think we say two things really one is a really sharp vision a compelling vision yeah and for us we had the last podcast we were looking at numbers we were thinking about say, uh, why have a goal mm. and the value of a stretch goal. Yeah. 20 new churches in 10 years, um, a goal that was bigger than any one denomination network yeah. could fulfill and that was inherently attractive. Yeah, this city needs at least 20 new churches. If we can work together for that, then great. So a compelling goal. And then I think the other stickiness, if you like, for the movement is the shared theological vision. And we did that second podcast thinking about the DNA mm. that is attractive to people. Mm. Um, that uh, desire to be about a city, mm. to see the gospel go out and to see all sorts of different kinds of churches planted that might effectively reach the city. So I think those, those are the two things. And then the friendships that form mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. become highly valued and, and important to us. I think that's, a, that's our reflection, do you yeah. think? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. So, I mean, you know, from a personal experience... Uh, you know, we started a church revitalization project back in 2010. Um, there was no obligation to belong to 2020 Birmingham. Actually, at the time, 2020 Birmingham was was more of a conversation that mm -hmm. was had begun rather than s sort of an obvious entity that you could kind of look in and see what was going on. Um, but I think it was very clear very early on that it was going to be a tremendous blessing to belong to this and to be a part of this it's particularly in the church revitalization context to be rubbing shoulders with others who are church planting and extremely missionally minded uh, on the front line just as we were seeking to kind of move the church back mm. into that place that was just massively helpful but there was no sense in which anyone was kind of picking up the phone saying look you weren't there or are you coming or anything else no one's got time yeah. for that kind of thing anyway it was actually thinking well actually what's going to what's going to best serve us as we seek to get going actually there's something we kind of gain from being a part of this but also actually if we want to be a church with a bigger vision 
ourselves, then this is a great context to play a part yeah. uh, in the, you know, for something that's for the whole, whole city. I suppose it's important to say that, um, in, a, in a sense, probably most organisations or most, most people or most churches would operate both within towers and marketplaces that they're, they're not necessarily being pitted against each other not the institution yeah. and the and and the um, and the movement they just play different roles and they function in different ways um, but i guess one of the questions it inevitably raises is how do you st- sort of how do you lead <laughs> a leaderless organization yeah. what does that actually look like yeah. on the yeah. ground because I mean, it's not the same, is it, that everybody necessarily has an equal voice, or is it on the ground? I mean, what does that what does that mean, Neil? <laughs> I, I I think that's uh, such an important, such a valuable question, and um, I think the leadership is present and real. In other words, there have to be people who mm-hmm. really uh, gather people together. And really set out the vision and by inspiration, example and encouragement, uh, urge people on to be part of this bigger thing for the city. So there are leaders in the room. Yeah. Um, I think there are always leaders in a room. But here the leadership is through influence Uh rather than through authority. So in your denomination or even within your church structures, it's right and proper that there's hierarchy and authority like the tower, as you say, but in the marketplace, you just lead by example and by influence. So mm-hmm. I think one of the questions about whether or not the time is right in your city to try and bring people together mm-hmm. for a collaborative church planting movement is leadership. Yes. Have you got people who can function in that way that get the idea of leading only through influence they don't have Mm -hmm. any power they don't have control they simply um, set the example and the tone and lead by uh, influence if you like yeah do you have those kind of leaders and can they do they have the soft skills okay to be able to function in that way so to be in a room with other planters and leaders and to lead in such a way that is non-authoritarian yeah yeah absolutely Okay, so we're, we're talking today about leaderless organisations. You've joined John James, Neil Powell. This is the Together for the City podcast. And we're talking about leaderless organisations and we're talking about the fact that actually it's not that they're entirely leaderless. It's actually a particular kind of leader, really, that's required in there. And, it's a, and they're catalysts rather than sort of authoritarian in, their, in the way that they... And they have soft skills rather than... Uh, necessarily leading with authority and as you kind of think about what makes a catalyst a catalyst we've kind of touched on their ability to inspire others uh, perhaps their emotional intelligence to some degree Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that they can meet people where they're at and and influence in such a way that people want to follow to some degree what's going on they want to help others 
they have a genuine interest in other people. Uh, I guess they may, may also be people who are well connected or have lots of kind of loose connections that uh, allow you to kind of introduce one person to another or make connections where there aren't any at the moment to kind of see stuff happen spontaneously and kind of serendipitously in one way or another and um, anything else i mean what what does it take to be a catalyst because i guess what that means is not everyone kind of excels in that environment in my, or at least it might be countercultural to for some people to step into that kind of environment it yeah. might be the kind of people who sort of immediately think hang on a minute, someone needs to take charge here, you know, yeah, yeah, and kind of that yeah. sort of thing. So what what else is required or what are the, some of the dangers maybe in a mm. setting like that? Mm. Let me just mention that um, some of my thinking on, on this, I think we, we were doing it and one of the things we've enjoyed in writing the book is stepping back and thinking what's happened, mm. why has this worked mm. and um, what might cause this not to work so well in the future or in a different city or whatever else it might be. And we sort of worked out what God was doing and why it was working. But we did find a chapter in a book, which is not a book written uh, for the Christian market. It's not a book about collaboration in in terms of church planting, but it is about leaderless organisations. Mm. And it's called The Starfish and the Spider, yeah. which looks at this phenomena, this growing phenomena of leaderless organizations and uh, if you've not come across that book i commend it to you by the authors braffman and beckstrom and it's called the starfish and the spider and i get no commission uh, for saying that but they they have in in a chapter of that book a most helpful chapter where they look at the catalyst tools and they come up i think with 11 different qualities or characteristics of people who are particularly good at being able to lead without having any formal authority mm-hmm. or power mm. or control. I think there's probably two things that, that uh, or, or maybe three things I should say that I think are <laughs> vitally important. Um, With and, six sub-points. Yeah, yeah you've heard my sermon. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> Something like that. I think the first one is uh, they, they have to be highly relational they, mm. and they have to really love interacting and meeting with and connecting with people who have different ideas. Yes. So they're, they're, they're relationally driven and they also enjoy working with those who think somewhat differently. They're, they're mm-hmm. lifelong learners. So when someone yeah. comes into yeah. the room who's a bit different, that's a learning opportunity and a yes. growth opportunity yes. rather than a threat. Yes. So I think they've got to be highly relational. I think they've also got to be, if they're going to lead this thing, um, they've got to demonstrate some credibility mm-hmm. so i think it's very difficult if you're six months or a year into planting a church mm-hmm. for you to say hey guys and talk to a number of other church planters and say why don't we do something together for our city i think yeah, yeah. probably need to have been going a little bit longer than that yes so when we started i'd planted 10 years and jonathan bella planted 12 years mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we'd each planted out of the churches we'd started so we had some credibility. Yeah. So I think if you're going to lead by influence, people need to look at you and think he's got something. Yeah, I want to listen to this yeah, guy. Yeah. yeah. And um, and then the third thing I think is um, a degree of trust, which is slightly mm. different from credibility. Is that this person, I'm persuaded, is not just trying to win me to their cause, mm. or isn't going to try and get me to to switch out of my network into theirs. They are genuinely kingdom-minded, yes. gospel-hearted. Yeah. 
people who just want to bless me in what I do. Yeah. I yeah. think those would be three things I'd say are essential for the character and the quality of a leader who's going to lead by example and influence rather than authority. It's interesting, isn't it? That kingdom-mindedness just comes up time and time again. Yeah. And you can't really fake that, can you? No. That's the thing. Yeah. Actually, and that's the thing about the trust, actually. there's If it's authentic and it's real and it's evidently the case that someone cares more about the vision, more about the kingdom of God yeah. and a, this bigger picture than they do about their own personal thing. If, so, if I guess if, if, if you know, in... in in a monthly planters forum, you just found that someone was always promoting their own little agenda yeah, the whole yeah. time. It would just be extraordinarily kind of tiring and tiresome, and you just think, well, why, why bother turning up? Like, I know what I'm going to get if I come to this, and it's um, I'm not necessarily here to sort of fulfil this other guy's personal project. Yeah, yeah, and I think some people who are good at leading within a denomination and good at leading in network where they lead to some degree, because they're in a position of authority, um, they can find it quite hard to switch modes yeah. into movements because here it's kind of, you have to surrender your weapons at the door yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, put these things to one side. And it, 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 and you basically, you to be in a movement, you have to surrender power. Mm. Mm. And uh, that... Some of us find that easier than others. Some of us are inherently collaborative people. Mm. We just prefer to work with others and lead with others. And um, what I find is that some people can think the idea of a movement sounds good. Yes. And come into it and then find that they can't quite surrender that power. Mm. And they start to then, as you say, slightly pull the thing apart almost mm. because the relationships mm. start to become self-serving mm. rather than sacrificial and um and and the the trust that was there within the group that a meeting starts to begin to to be undermined mm. so i think um it's not to say someone who's good at leading within it within their tribe or within a network that they should stop doing that but i think they need to learn the soft skills yeah of working yeah. within movements and and i guess what may also be true is that there are different times or different opportunities or different moments where different people will take the lead and perhaps mm. actually exercise a degree of authority in certain areas. So I suppose if someone is a specialist in one area, then whilst they're talking about that or whilst they're discussing that, then they're able to kind of exercise those skills. Or if, if a conference needs to be organised in one yeah. set and someone takes the lead on that, then actually they're taking responsibility for that and they may need to delegate and you know get others on board and divvy out jobs in order for something to happen but it's the point is that there's that really is about people's giftings uh, the different things that people bring to the table um sharing that stuff out and it's sort of only existing for the time in which it needs to exist and then other people kind of stepping in and that kind of thing. I suppose one of the questions I've had about all of this is is the relationship that exists between power and responsibility. Okay. And that's something that is important. Like actually the more you know, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> which, which, <laughs> which verse is that? Which verse Yes, it's the the epistle of Spider Man. Um but the the point is that <laughs> Actually, that's there's a right thing, isn't there? The more 
power you have, the more responsibility you have. Mm-hmm. I guess in rightly, you know, in a, in a in a in a healthy context, if you're given more power, you yes. you ought to take responsibility for that. The danger is if it's a sort of leaderless situation and no one is sort of saying I, I I'm in charge here, that actually no one takes responsibility mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. either. I don't know if you've got any thoughts just on on that, how you how you together continue to take responsibility for something whilst also recognising you probably don't hold the same degree of power that you might in a different setting. Yeah, that's good. Um, so I think what we mean by there's no leadership that is a leadership of authority is that I can't tell people what to do in their church planting context. No. That That's... The essence of leadership by authorities, and I have some degree of oversight for you and your plant, and can therefore instruct if necessary, or strongly advise and urge you to, to take a particular course of action. And we try and avoid that, like the plague. Yes. Um, in terms of what we do as a local movement, we yeah. we, we quite deliberately don't do any of that. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's why it's important that these city. Movements are not people's primary affiliation. Yes. That they are part of a denomination, they are part of a network, so there is leadership with authority that speaks into their church planting context. So when it comes to the individual planter and what they are doing on the ground, I think in that sense we're leaderless. We're we're not trying to tell them how to lead a church. But when it comes to the organisation, the thing itself, such Mm. as 2020 Birmingham and its overall strategy and goals, Mm. then you clearly have to have delegated tasks. We're a registered charity. We have to have a board of trustees. We have to manage finances. We have to organise and run conferences. We make strategic decisions. Yes. And... We therefore need to know who takes responsibility in which areas. Mm. So in the book Starfish and the Spider, they do talk about leaderless organisations, but they also talk about and and make a case for what they call a hybrid organisation, which is, if you like, leaderless on the ground. So, for example, I can't tell another church planter how he's got to go about doing what he's doing, but has a centre, and in that centre... There's a degree of responsibility in delegated tasks and organisation. So mm-hmm. a movement is a living organism, mm-hmm. but it is also, to some measure, an organisation. So it's an yeah. organised organism, yeah, 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 if yeah. you like. So it's not, we hope, chaotic. We yeah. never know what we're trying to do or what our strategic yeah. goals are or how to use the money that donors yeah. have given to us or when yeah. to run a conference and so on. And I think what we therefore in that situation do is look for people who've got some capacity and some time, who are amongst the church planting team, who can take on certain key responsibilities of trustees or helping coaching planters or whatever else it might be. Yeah. And I think what we've noticed is that that as we've matured, I mean, I think we would still, you know... (laughs) It makes it sound like Have we are matured? mature. Have we matured? Yeah. I hadn't noticed, John. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, okay. But as we've uh, gone on in years, let's put yeah, it like that's, that. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair enough. We, I think, have noticed that we've needed to organise ourselves yes. a little bit more and a little bit more, perhaps year on year, really. 
And so there's a difference between an entirely relational organic movement starting out in its kind of fledgling phase. And that's what we were in the early years. Yeah, and some say that's what we still are to a certain degree. But what we've recognised is the importance of, as we've grown and as we've developed, actually just beginning to put some trellis around what we're doing in a way that means we can function and scale up and push on in a way that um, means no one gets burnt out and not too much falls to one person or that kind of thing. So in that book, Starfish and Spider, they wrestle with that question when they say, what is the optimal mix? What is the optimal mix of decentralised and centralised attributes? Mm. So we, as a movement tend to want to be decentralized we want to let people get on with doing what they're doing within their own church planting but we need some centralization and organization denominations flip it the other way around there's a lot of organization okay and very limited opportunities for for individuals to go and do their own thing not to say one is right and one is wrong but and we want to say a church planter is blessed to be in a denomination and then part of a local collaborative yeah because then they're getting both it's kind of a both and approach So you're with John James, Neil Powell, the Together for the City podcast. We have been talking about leaderless organisations um, and we're, ju- we're just sort of coming towards the end of the podcast. I just had another one kind of final question really about all of this, uh, which I hope you can help with, Neil, <laughs> which is really that there's there's a sort of inherent tension. I mean, it's an, it's an observation really, which you might have some comments on, but there's a bit of an inherent tension, I think, between the fact that the thing that draws us together as a leaderless organization are really the vision that we have for Mm -hmm. the city and the values that we hold in as as an organization and but because we are sort of saying we're organic and we're not kind of top down we're 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 a square not a tower to use that language um there's a danger that therefore the vision and the values become kind of unprotected and sort of fair game and up for grabs and could change and evolve and be sort of contested and pulled in different directions. And and I suppose what you what we've been saying is that finding this optimal mix really mm-hmm. is essential to the ongoing health and future of this thing. And I suppose with that means there is to a certain degree those at the centre become the custodians then of the vision and the values of the movement is that fair do you think that's right so the sort of there's closer to the center you are the more you will take responsibility for the preservation of the vision and the values of the movement you kind of become gatekeeper if yeah you like, gatekeeper a or a guardian or guardian um, of that stuff so i think yeah the, so the vision and the value so we were very clear what we were about mm-hmm. from day one it's not as if that those people exercising that form of leadership, those kind of guardians, it's not as if they're trying to uh, promote a different agenda or to 
in any way sort of uh, change things. They're just trying to say, how do we ensure that we protect what who we are and, and what we're about and mm. to keep that strong? So something like alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous mm-hmm. is leaderless in the sense of how that functions. That's a classic example that, again, is mentioned in the Starfish in the Spider book. That people are not at liberty to change the steps mm. of the program. Mm. You know that that is protected. That is essential DNA. Mm. Um, but the way in which groups are formed mm-hmm. and meets, there's an enormous amount of, fr- of freedom for these that's groups helpful. to just happen spontaneously. Yeah. And I think that's what we think is important for us in Birmingham: is that almost to be able to ensure that we can be this dynamic, life-giving organism, we need to therefore protect its health and Mm. vitality. Mm. And there need to be a few people who've just got a little bit of wisdom to make sure, hang on, we're not losing our way here. And yeah, call them guardians, gatekeepers of the DNA if you like. They're generally the older folk who've been around for a while, who can just see things the wisdom of the of the years that they have mm, mm. um and yeah they they have play an important role because otherwise it will it will kill itself yeah, yeah 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 okay well look we probably need to wrap up there but i just as we finish are there any maybe just one or two sort of unique blessings that come with belonging to what well, what we've been calling the sort of semi leaderless <laughs> organization but what are the what is sort of uniquely kind of beneficial, would you say, or or have you noticed belonging to Twenty Twenty Birmingham around this whole area? Well, it's like nothing I've ever been a part of before. So it feels cult. It's culture. It mm. feels very different, and in a healthy way. Mm. Um, we've said in a number of these podcasts just the the joy and the privilege of putting aside yeah. um, our institutional biases and self-promotion to be kingdom-minded and there's just something energizing Mm. about being in a room with other people that I can seek to bless and influence even though I have no formal say over what they're doing I guess it's risky in one Mm. sense but life-giving and energizing too it feels like New Testament Christianity in lots of ways in that sense in terms of how the church is related to one another I mean, we met yesterday for our planters forum yeah. and I, I think I have to say, you know, this is a unique place where you have such a kind of broad variety of people around the table and you get to kind of learn from one another and talk to one another. There was someone uh, when we met yesterday who'd come for the first time just about mm. to plant um, Black Majority Church um, in the city. And it was just a real blessing to have them mm. as part of the group. And I sort of thought, I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. I'm really looking forward to learning from you. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, kind of your wisdom around all of this. And yeah, I was also kind of sat next to um, uh, a kind of Indian evangelist who'd come to the city, um, a, a Pakistani evangelist yeah, nipped in yeah. to kind of say hi to us all because he was on his way to do something else. And... Uh, Jonathan Bell was leading the the hosting the kind of the kind of session uh, and he brings his kind of unique kind of way of doing things to the way that we pray together the way that we worship together which is always kind of joyful and inspiring to be a part of 
and then I had the opportunity to kind of share the thing that I'd been working on in relation to Christ as our high priest and the significance of that for us in our ministries on the front line in the church planting setting. And I don't know, I don't know where else I would ever get that yes. um, except for that room. And so yeah. for that, I'm extremely thankful. Right, good. Neil, thank you very much. Thanks thank ever you. so much for, for being with us for the Together for the City podcast. And we hope to see you again next time.